Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here with Jeff Sanders. And I think you're in for a treat listening to this podcaster who can claim over 3 million downloads. We're not quite there yet. Give it some time. And he's got some some great tips and great audio quality. So you're going to learn, one, three best practices to sustain energy all day long, two, perspectives on when to optimally handle email, and three, how to conquer your ultimate goal one quarter at a time. So if you want to check out the show notes, the transcripts, the links to things mentioned, please drop on by awesomeatyourjob.com slash F79. Here's a quick tidbit about Jeff. Jeff Sanders is a keynote speaker, creator of the 47 Strategies Productivity Self-Assessment and author of the best-selling and award-winning book on productivity, The 5 A.M. Miracle, Dominate Your Day Before Breakfast. Jeff's also the host of the 5 A.M. Miracle podcast, which has ranked number one in iTunes in the self-help and business categories, been nominated for four podcast awards, and exceeded three million downloads. He is a 10-time marathon runner, personal development junkie, and passionate raw vegan. Every week you can find Jeff writing and speaking at jeffsanders.com. He holds a Bachelor of Arts degree in theater and psychology from Truman State University in Kirksville, Missouri, and has been married to his wife, Tessa, for seven years. They live in Nashville, Tennessee, with their quirky pug named Benny. Here's Jeff. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Well, thank you, Pete. I'm excited today. Oh, me too. Now, I've got to know right up front, is it really true that you eat around a dozen bananas a day and why? Yes, it's true. The reason why is kind of a long story about dietary shifting for me. But the simple answer is that I discovered through a variety of experiments and testing that I did that bananas became my go-to food because they're tasty, they're cheap, they're easy to transport. I can eat them in large quantities and get full. I put them in smoothies. I love bananas for all kinds of reasons. And so for me, it becomes this go-to food for Every single day, whenever I'm hungry, I grab a banana or I make a big smoothie with like 10 in them at once. And so I can have up to 30 bananas in a day before I feel like I should stop. Well, that's wild. And so is there any downside in terms of, I don't know, glycemic index, fructose, sugar crash or with bananas or whatnot? Well, I'm not a doctor, so I can't give the advice <laughs> on that one. But what I have read about it is that if you are consuming fruit, for example, any kind of fruit that has you know sugar in there, fructose, if you have fiber with it as well, your body absorbs that sugar a lot slower than if you had just like you know a soda, for example. And so if as long as you are an active human being and you're working out occasionally... You can burn off that sugar. You can you use that for energy, which I do every day when I work out. And so it, it tends to be a really great system for that. If you're going to be, you know, lethargic or sitting around all day and eating a lot of sugar, it, there could be problems. But talk to your doctor about that one. Okay, sure thing. Will do. So your jam is the 5 a.m. miracle with the podcast, 3 million downloads plus. Congratulations. Very impressive. And the book. And so can you give us the background scoop here, sort of why and how are mornings miraculous or the 5 a.m. time miraculous? 
Well, what I discovered through a variety of testing of my own was that early mornings in general are miraculous. Uh, 5 a.m. specifically was just a time that I chose arbitrarily because it fit really well with my schedule. Uh, so this was about probably about five years ago. I had a, a full-time day job. I had a side business that was growing that I'm doing now full-time. And I was training for a marathon. And I realized I don't have time to do all these things in a day. I especially don't have time to train for this marathon I want to do unless I get out of bed at 5 a.m. to go for a run. And so I discovered for myself that early mornings became this miraculous time to do the thing in my life that mattered the most to me before anything else showed up that day. And so it became this distraction-free zone where I could really focus in on one thing, get it done, and the rest of my day was that much better off because I did the thing I wanted to do. And so originally it was marathon training, and then later on it was uh, business projects or personal projects. And so I discovered that that time of the day has such a great opportunity to take advantage of it. And most people kind of you know do it. I used to do for many years. You get out of bed the last second, you're stressed out, you're snoozing near your alarm a million times. The day does not begin in a methodical or peaceful or energetic way. It just begins in a stressful way. And so I made a massive shift to say, well, how can I make my mornings more successful and more productive? And how can I get the most value out of that time? And that's where the 5 a.m. miracle really kicked in for me. It was this obvious you know, realization that I can actually just get out of bed early, do something I really care about, and then let the rest of my day be that much more productive because of it. Mm, lovely. And so you said you didn't have enough time, but I'm guessing that the hours of consciousness were about the same. Did you go to bed earlier? And what time was that? That's actually a really good point. It wasn't that I had more than 24 hours in a day. It was still the same amount of time, but I was using that time more intelligently. And I was cutting things out that didn't matter as much and really shifting my energy to make sure everything fit in in a more methodical way. And so, yes, I would go to bed earlier. 9 p.m. became my bedtime or 9.30. Usually most days I would sleep in, you know, go to bed a little bit later. But the goal was always to make sure that I could end my workday at a certain time, usually around 8 o'clock or 8.30, so I could get to bed, so I could get all the rest that I needed and begin the day the next day with a plan written down, ready to go. And so every day for me became this much more methodical approach to asking myself, well, how can I be intentional with my time tomorrow? What will that look like? What's an ideal day look like for me tomorrow? And then I would schedule that out and then I would execute it. And that kind of you know pre-planning was something I never did before. And when I applied that principle, I realized there's so much more opportunity that I just was missing because I was either being lazy or I was just assuming I didn't have time for something when in reality, I could get a lot more out of my day than I ever thought that I could. Oh, that's so good. All right. So you're pre-planned, not even during that morning time, but the night before. Exactly. So I would like to end my work day you know, around 8 p.m. So before that happens, I want to make sure that I'm looking at the next day and asking myself, you know, very simple questions like what would an ideal day look like? How can I write that schedule down? How can I make sure that my workout clothes are set out and ready to go? You know, so when 5 a.m. hits, I have what I need ready so the next day can begin you know, with a bang. And tell me, when you started the 5 a.m., was it a painful initial transition and how'd you get over that hump? I'm thinking about listeners who are like 5 a.m., me, no way, no how, never. How do you make the leap? That's a great question. And there's two ways that I describe it. One is kind of the painful masochistic way, which is just, you know, tomorrow morning, 5 a.m., just get up and make it happen, which is very difficult. And for most people, it does not last because it is so painful and you're just so tired. The best approach is to do it much more slowly. And so you might say, well, my usual wake up time is 7 a.m., so tomorrow will be 6.45. And then a few days later, 6.30. And then a few days later, 6.15. And you slowly and methodically move yourself to the ideal way 
wake up time that you want to use. And then from that, you will be much more well rested. You know, bedtime will be slowly but surely, you know, a little bit earlier. And when that happens, you don't feel that effect of being tired or under rested. You will feel good and be able to make that shift accordingly. Another thing that I always recommend too is if you're going to get out of bed a little bit earlier, schedule an activity in that time that matters to you. So if you get out of bed you know, 20 minutes earlier, well then use that 20 minutes to do something you care about. Do yoga, read a book, like work on your project because then you're going to see not only was I out of bed earlier, but I got progress in something that I usually don't have time for. And so now my day is that much better. Oh, that's good. That's good. And so I'd like to dig into a bit of detail there. When you are awake. I'd see you've got sort of your rundown in terms of what you're doing in the morning, but what are kind of the general principles and commonly occurring best practices in terms of when this stuff is done, first thing, powerful results emerge? Well, in the morning, I like to prioritize energy. It's the number one thing that I want to have in place. So as far as for my personal practice and what I recommend for other people to do is to choose a thing that matters the most to you. I chose energy. You might choose something else. But for example, with the energy, you know, focus, I will hydrate first thing in the morning and then I'll let that flow into my morning workout and then that goes to my morning breakfast and then all of those things will stack up and by the time I get to my work day I have all this energy ready to go and I my work day can begin then a lot more powerfully because I did the things that allow me to scale my morning appropriately and this obviously will change based on your schedule and your priorities and what kind of project you want to work on but choosing a focus is really important to making sure you have what you need ready so for me scaling energy works really well for for me because I know that it takes me about probably 45 minutes to really wake up every morning. And so in that time, I'm doing things that don't require a lot of brain cells because I don't really have them available yet. And yes. so when you realize where you are and what your priorities are, you can create a morning that allows you to get the things done that matter the most in the right order because the order really does matter. But of course, the more that you do this, the more you can get better at it. But choosing those right activities will allow you to optimize the time that you have. Oh, I love optimizing. So let's talk about this energy piece. So it seems like that is something that you are famous, known for. I enjoyed checking out your video with the interview. Like, you're the most energetic guest we've ever had. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm also all about energy because that for me is kind of the bottleneck in terms of what I can make happen. So hydration early in the morning makes sense. I do it. I love it. What are some other best practices you've identified for keeping energy going? Anything associated with diet or supplementation or, you know, taking breaks at certain intervals? Yeah, there's a lot that I do throughout the day. Hydration is definitely one of my core things. I mean, even right now, I've got a full liter of water sitting in front of me. Um, I drink water throughout the day. Another key thing is a standing desk. I moved to that about four years ago, and that is a phenomenal way to keep your energy up throughout the day. I noticed that on days where I don't have that available, from like at a conference, for example, and I'm sitting down all day, I'm exhausted so much faster because just the act of sitting makes you tired. And so if you can stand throughout the day, your energy will go up because of that. So yeah, hydration, standing desk. In terms of nutrition, I do eat a lot of fruits. I'm a vegan, and so my fruits and vegetables are a really big part of my diet. And the more of those that I have, the better I feel and the more energy that I get from that. So as much as you can possibly have hydration and nutrition and physical movement throughout the day, those things alone will give you a ton of energy. Mm, I love it. So I'm also thinking about sort of the morning piece, and there's a controversial question out there when it comes to email. So you are an advocate for hitting inbox zero every single day, which is ambitious and cool. So along those lines, where do you come out on the email in the morning? You know, wise, unwise. I've gone back and forth on this throughout the years. And I find that depending on the season of life that I'm in, it's either a really good strategy or it's the worst thing in the world. Okay. I think that 
recently I've been checking email first thing because I, the last probably three months, I've been going through this massive website redevelopment and I've had lots of technical problems occurring. And so I've been trying to stay on top of those issues and solve problems very quickly. But I'm moving into a phase now where those problems aren't there. And so I don't need to check email first thing in the morning. So I'm now postponing it until later in the day. So I can really focus my mental energy on what matters most. And so my best answer to that is it depends on why email matters to you. If it really is the kind of thing you could ignore until later, then you should do that because email can be a massive distraction from your most important work. If email is your most important work, well, then obviously you spend time on that instead. But I think the real key is identifying where email fits in your overall priority schedule. And like, is this actually important or are you using email, you know, like you would Facebook? It's just a distraction and a thing to take you away from your most important work. You know, my take on email is that like you, I am not really firing on all cylinders in the early morning and sort of the first minutes out of bed. And so I'm thinking email is something that I can handle right now, like 20 minutes after arising. And so other tasks require a greater degree of kind of energy, brain power, kind of with itness. And therefore, I kind of defy the blogs and email early in the morning is something I dig doing just because I can do it. And many things I don't think I could do. Yeah, I totally agree. Actually, I schedule a lot of activities that don't require a lot of brain power during those times of the day where I know my energy is going to be lower. You know, middle of the afternoon or late in the evening, if I want to do something that doesn't require a lot of brain cells, that's the best time to do it. And early morning could be actually a really good time for email if the emails are easy to process. I've had plenty of opportunities where I think that I can do it quickly and then discover there's a lot more like hard work going on here than I thought there would be. And so it really kind of depends on, you know, are your emails just, you know, random newsletters from you know friends or are these like hardcore, important, difficult to answer emails? Because that makes a big difference in how much energy requires to process that information and to take action on it. And for me, email is a really important part of my business model. Like I am all about communication. I'm all about response time being very quickly or being very quick. And so in order for that to be possible, like I need to be on top of my emails and process them efficiently, but also put a lot of you know effort and time into them so that they're written you know well and it comes across the way I want it to. So that degree, I think that, you know, really decide what, how important is email to you? When does it belong in your day? How much energy you can put into that? And then from there, you can, you know, prioritize your other things around that. I like it. Speaking of email and distractions, I'd love to hear a bit more on your take for getting sort of distraction-free time. And so a big part of the game for you is, hey, I'm in the morning and no one else is awake, so it's distraction-free. Do you have any other best practices when it comes to getting that focus and blocking out distractions that would rob the focus? Yeah, actually, my focus blocks of time, my FBOTs, I call them, those are my most important parts of my day. Whenever I can create that focus block, that is where I know I'm going to be able to get some of my highest quality work done. And so I will schedule usually early in the morning if I can, like right after a workout, I'll have a focus block for probably 90 minutes and work on something that matters a lot. And in that focus block, I'm not going to have access to email or my phone. You know, my wife works from home a lot as well. And so a lot of times I'll close the door and remind her, like, I'm going to be in my focus block. And so she will not, you know, knock on the door during that time. Like, I'll make sure that I have no distractions. And with that kind of intentionality around it, and I put on my headphones and I listen to focus music as well, like all of these things come together. And then that 
next thing I know, like I am completely zeroed in on my work and I get so much more done than I ever would have if I was taking the time to look at Facebook in the middle of my work or answer a question or answer the phone because all of those things just waste so much mental energy and you don't realize it until you have a focus block that goes well and you're like, oh my gosh, I just got so much done in the last 30 minutes that otherwise would never have happened before. Oh, that's so good. And so I'm curious to hear then 90 minutes, that's reminding me of a little bit of powerful engagement or human performance institute kinds of stuff. Is that how you think about focus blocks of time is around that time frame and then a certain rest period? Or how do you navigate and allocate those minutes? Yeah, it probably depends on the kind of work that I'm doing. I know that in general, I can't really focus that intensely for more than 90 minutes. Um, I usually need a break around that time. I'm also a really big fan of breaks. I take breaks probably every hour to every hour and a half anyway, because I need that kind of just like, I need to change projects every now and then uh, because I get kind of burned out that fast. But if I can have an intense focus block and get a lot done, it also re-energizes me to want to continue that work. So after a quick break, I can come back and keep going. And so that's really my goal is to figure out how can I maintain my enthusiasm for my work and my energy towards it without getting burned out on it. And so a focus block can be really intense. And so I try to make sure that I'm monitoring my energy levels throughout that process so that I can stay focused throughout that time. And then, of course, maintain productivity throughout the entire day. Oh, I like it. And so when you're taking a break, Roughly how long are they and what do you find is kind of maximally recharging in sort of a short midday break? My best kind of breaks are doing the exact opposite of what I was just doing. So if I've been on the computer, then I'm going to go outside for 20 minutes, you know, or go make some food or go, you know, talk to my wife or go do something totally different than what I've done because I need to almost like shut my brain down from that task to come back fresh again later. And so whatever I've been doing, I try to mix it up as much as I can. I love variety. I love to, you know, to stay busy throughout the day. And I might do some laundry if I'm, you know, I need to do some household chores, like whatever I can do to not do that previous thing helps me to then re-engage with it when I come back because I need that real detachment from the activity. Um, It's also good for my mental energy as well because I really don't want to, you know, do the exact same thing all day long because then I lose the creativity and I lose the ability to really stay engaged long-term. Gotcha. Okay. And so can you tell us a little bit, you've got a seven-step productivity blueprint. What are some of those key steps? Great question. The whole seven-step system is based on this idea that you want to be as productive as possible throughout your entire life from a very big picture standpoint. So in the middle of these seven steps is your morning routine and kind of the day-to-day stuff. But the whole thing begins with knowing your grandest goals in life. Like, what are you actually trying to achieve? What's the point of you doing all this work? And once you've established that, then you can dive into the actual specifics behind scheduling time to work on those grand goals. And so for me, I like to schedule everything based off of what I call a quarter system or three-month chunks. So instead of having long-term, like annual goals, I have everything broken down much shorter term. The very longest I'll schedule a project is 90 days in advance. Usually it's much shorter than that. Usually it's the next 30 days or next two weeks. And that's all I focus on. I don't try to think much further ahead than that because I can't predict the future and I cannot predict how this next project will go. And so because I know that life is so unpredictable, I just ask myself, like, what's the next most important big step to take and how can that next big step get accomplished as soon as possible? And from there, I try to focus in on just that one thing and focus all my energy on it every single day. You know, my daily schedule, my weekly goals, my monthly goals, it's all based on getting that one thing done. And then if that happens, I get so much more success and so much more a desire to continue that kind of work because it just it escalates so quickly. And then I feel much more productive and I want to add in the next goal after that fact. So this whole thing is based off of knowing if this is my main goal, 
how can it be my number one priority all the time so that I am zeroing in on that one thing and make sure that every day, every week, every month, I'm working on it, I'm reviewing it, I'm you know optimizing it. And with that kind of focus, it's incredible how much you really can get done. Oh, now that sounds very exciting. So I guess I'm just thinking, boy, you know, there's so many demands and kind of recurring demands on our time. So hey, fellow podcasters, you know, you got to get the episodes going, you know, on a, on a steady, regular release schedule. So there's a little bit of that always. And then there's kind of some clients and friends and family and, and other obligations sort of happening always. So I often sort of daydream or fantasize about being able to have like a whole day or a whole week or a whole month just to work on X, one thing. But in practice, it's really kind of tricky to pull off. So when you say it's your number one priority, you select something on a 90-day or shorter cycle to zero in on, roughly how many hours, say, a workday are you mustering to that one thing? It's a great question. Actually, I was just thinking about this same concept a few weeks ago because I was at a conference that was three full days of activity where all I did was that one thing for three days. And I came back wondering, how did I manage to block so much time out for that conference when in reality, I don't do it for myself generally when I'm working on a project? Yes. <laughs> that was, and then that reality, you know, like we have a vacation, we have a conference, we can schedule large blocks of things we care about. And so that question becomes, well, then do you really care about this current goal you're working on? And I think that if you have the opportunity to schedule a full couple of days to work on something, that can be incredibly powerful. But on a regular kind of like systematic way of living, my lifestyle, my general like ideal week, I'm not going to have, you know, seven full days to work on one thing. And so you're right, I'll have podcasts to work on, I'll have family things, I'll have all kinds of other things going on. So I'll try to do batching of certain activities. So I might say that for me, Mondays are podcast days in general. So that's where I work on my show for the next week. On Tuesdays, it's where I really try to kick in with my most important project for that week, which tends, tends to be my grandest goal for that quarter. And so I'll try to work on that on Tuesdays. And then I have other things scheduled. Wednesdays and Thursdays tend to be more of like interview-based things like we're doing today. And so I have the these batch days set aside for here's when these kinds of activities will take place. And then on the weekends, I have more personal things planned, but sometimes those personal days become work days if I really think that I care about this project enough. And so it's really about deciding ahead of time how your ideal week will look and where those big chunks of time can be scheduled and those blocks can be moved around. So you're always spending as much time as possible on that thing that matters the most. Cool. Well, is there anything else you want to make sure that you put out there before we shift gears into the fast faves? Well, I would just say just as kind of like a final note, the whole concept behind, you know, the 5A miracle or being productive really is just about saying I've identified in my life what it is that I want and I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that those things occur. It's so easy to be distracted. It's so easy to spend time on things that other people care about or that you think are important, but you know, intuitively don't align to what it is you really want in life. And so you have to make some really tough calls and say no to a lot of things in order to guarantee the time, the things you care the most about. And I've gone through a massive like minimalism phase in the last probably year of my life where I've been cutting things out like crazy. And that has had such a dramatic effect on my life to be able to spend more time on the things that actually matter. And so if you're going to look at your ideal week or try to schedule in the things that matter the most, ask yourself what can be cut because that's going to create so much time for the things that genuinely matter. And then that's where the success will really occur. Oh, thank you. All right. Well, could you start us off by sharing a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? My all-time favorite quote that I've referenced a ton is from Albert Einstein, which is, in the middle of difficulty lies opportunity. 
And so for me, that really just refers to the fact that I'm going to find something great out of whatever bad thing seems to be happening to me. There's always a lesson to be learned, there's always some benefit to be had. And so if I can really focus on that, then it allows me to turn something that seems you know bad or difficult into an opportunity and into something that's really positive. Oh, that's really cool. And, and I would even add to that, like when I am working on something and it just it's hard, it just takes a lot, I stop and think, most other people are not willing to do this. And therefore, it's like I have a competitive edge by engaging in this thing. So mm, with that yeah. effort is indeed indicative of, oh, here's an opportunity. I'm doing the hard stuff other people aren't doing. And therefore, cool things are emerging. Oh, definitely. I love that. That's, that's good thought. Fun. Well, all right. Many layers, many layers. How about a favorite study or experiment or piece of research? I can't name the exact study. This goes back actually to my dietary transition. I was learning about fruit and about vegetables and about all the benefits of eating positive nutrition. Let's say this, the book, The China Study. Oh, right. The best one I can think of now. That's the exact same time frame I was going through this big phase. That book discusses this whole concept of these people that were studied in China with this massive shift in their nutrition and what the way that they were living a long time. There's so much benefit to eating in a way that Americans in general don't eat. I think there's a lot of power in studying other cultures and studying other ways of life to find things that could work for you. I'm not saying you have to you know, eat a certain way, but to consider the possibilities that other people are doing things in ways that may be better the way you're doing it. And that is so much to be gleaned from that. Lovely. And how about a favorite book? The one on the top of my head right now that I read again recently is the book called Ultra Marathon Man by Dean Karnazes. He's actually was on my podcast before because he's a phenomenal runner. He's run ultra marathons on every continent. And that book specifically is extraordinary because it goes through these amazing stories that he's gone through to be this amazing runner. And whether you want to run or not doesn't really matter. The book is incredibly inspiring because of just his ambition and his willingness to do things that are hard to do. And I just, I love that book. Oh, cool. And how about a favorite tool, something that you've found helpful in your productivity and effectiveness? Every single day I use a tool called Nozbe. That's N-O-Z-B-E. It is my digital task manager. So it's the thing that I use to manage all of my tasks, all my events, all my appointments. It is my go-to for just about everything I'm using to schedule my life. And uh, Nozbe is an amazing little tool. Fun. And how about a favorite habit, a personal practice of yours that's really been helpful? Oh, I think there's a lot of those. I would say the one recently that's been important to me is my daily smoothie. I have a Vitamix blender and I'll make a big smoothie for breakfast every single morning. And I love having, you know, once again, the bananas and the other fruit. I love having that morning smoothie. Mm -hmm. And how about a favorite resonant nugget or thing that you share in a speech or a book that really seems to connect and resonate with people in terms of a little quotable or tweetable gem? Well, this goes back to what we said in the beginning. Uh, I like to say a lot that plan tomorrow on paper tonight. So in other words, you're going to ask yourself, how can I you know, write out, if you can't handwrite the whole thing, what you're going to do tomorrow on paper tonight? Because when you do that, that really does activate this intentionality that otherwise may not have been there to say, this is how tomorrow will run and this is how I'm deciding now what I'm going to be doing. Because then when tomorrow does show up, the tendency will be to do whatever's most distracting. But if you already have that written schedule, that plan that you've made, that you committed to, it's so much easier to get yourself back on track and stick to the plan. Mm, lovely. And what would you say is the best way to find you? If folks want to learn more and check out your stuff, where would you point them? JeffSanders.com is the place to be with all of my podcasts and book and everything else I'm working on. Okay. And do you have a favorite challenge or parting call to action that you'd issue to those seeking to be more awesome at their jobs? 
Well, I would say be more intentional with your time. I think that's the one nugget that I love to go back to. I think that when you take the time to really ask yourself the tough questions around what is it that I actually want and how can that be possible? It really is just a matter of making those decisions and saying, this is what I want. This is how I'm going to get it. And then actually following through in your own advice to yourself and doing it. It's so easy to have fantasies and dreams, but to just to say, this is what I want, write it down, decide on it, and then just go get it. Oh, perfect. Well, go get it indeed. Jeff, it's been so fun. I wish you tons of luck and keep on rocking with your 5am miracle brand and speaking and good stuff. It's been a lot of fun. Hey, thank you. I love that perspective in particular about email because some people say, never check your email first thing in the morning. And others will say, well, you have so much decision power. Absolutely. That's the best time to handle email. And as with many things, it just depends as Jeff elucidated well, what it depends upon. So I appreciated that. Hope you did too. And I would recommend if you want to check out the show notes, the transcripts, the links to stuff we mentioned or chatted through, that's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep79. And I hope that you do push the subscribe button if you haven't already, because I don't want you to miss guests like our next one, Jay Papazan, who's talking about the one thing. What do we use all that energy for? What is that important stuff we apply it to? Well, Jay has a cool, powerful question and ways of thinking about What is that one thing in developing really solid habits to support you in your work and more? Hope to catch you then. And until then, peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. 